0: Hebrews chapter 11, in a moment I'm going to read verse 7, just verse 7, first I'm going to pray, Father God would you come and speak, Lord by your word, Lord we hear your truth, Lord, we thank you for the faithfulness that we've been singing about. Lord, the the truth that you are are good, that you are faithful, that you are in control, that you're king. Oh, Lord, would you speak to us this morning through looking at this verse, looking at the life of Noah? Lord, would we see, Lord, would you lead us to the cross? Would you lead us to your Son. Amen. So we've got to verse 7 in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, in verse 7, the, the writer to the Hebrews focuses on the faith of Noah. Previously, we've looked at uh, the faith of Abel and Enoch, two characters who precede uh, Noah in the biblical record. Before that, we were seeing that by faith we understand fundamentally that God created everything from nothing. It's using through this chapter, looking at, look at all these examples of faith. Look at what faith is. And in verse 7 he gets to Noah. So let's read Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7. By faith Noah... When warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. We come to a man or at least to a story that we, that many of us, probably most of us, probably know quite well: the story of Noah and the ark, very well known very usual maybe Sunday school story or in children's books. We see the story in Genesis chapter 6, or beginning in chapter 6. see that Noah, well first and foremost we see in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 that Noah was a man who grew up in a generation that was wicked, You see, into this context, this is where Noah is living. This is where Noah is living in this generation. And we see these wonderful words in verse 8. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favour with God. In the midst of all the wickedness, in all the corruption that was around him. And go, uh, in Genesis, it goes on to say in verse 9... Having said, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. We see Noah in the midst of this wicked, evil generation. This generation that God is saying, I'm going to wipe them all out. There is nothing but evil in them. Yet we see Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time. And so we see, as we go on in verse 13, that God speaks to Noah. God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch, inside and out. And then he goes on in verse 15 onwards to say, Well, this is what this is how you should make it. But he says to Noah, I'm gonna wipe out humankind. I'm gonna wipe out the human race and the earth. But Noah, you build a boat. You build an ark. He goes on and he says to he says what what the ark was to be like. It's big boat. We see in verse 15, it says, make it, this is how you're to build it, the ark's to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. And albeit that we're not necessarily entirely sure how big a cubit was, certainly my Bible gives me in a footnote that translates to around 135 metres long, 23 metres wide and 14 metres high. This is a big boat. And something like the length of two jumbo jets. It's only half the length of the Titanic, but the Titanic was a pretty big boat. And certainly for the time, this is a huge undertaking that Noah is about to do. But we get to verse 22 and these wonderful words Noah did everything just as God commanded him. You see, the story of Noah, we get, we see this. God comes to Noah and says, Noah, I'm going to wipe everything out. Noah, there's going to be a massive flood. And God says, Noah, you build an ark. You build an ark. You build an ark and you can avoid this massive judgment. You can be, I, you can be saved on the ark. And we see this wonderful picture early in the Old Testament. Salvation from judgment. As the Hebrew writer says, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. see God saving Noah and his family in the ark. And obviously as the story goes on, we see that that's what comes about, that Noah builds the ark, Noah does, everything as God commanded him. And then Noah and his family go into the ark. God causes the animals to come to him and they go into the ark as well. God shuts the door and the flood comes. Judgment rains down. But Noah and his family are safe. Noah and his family are saved. Obviously we see at the end of the story, we see Noah coming out of the ark and God makes his covenant with Noah. And we see what we remember of that is a rainbow in the sky. God says, I've put my rainbow in the sky. I'm never going to flood the whole earth again. I'm making a covenant with you, Noah. But what does the writer to the Hebrews focus on? He says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And then he goes on from there. But we're going to, we're going to look through this verse. This one verse in Hebrews. See what he's saying. What he draws from the story of Noah about the nature of faith, about what faith is about, what we see of Noah's faith. You see this first sense by faith, Noah in holy fear built an ark. In holy fear. When he's warned about things not yet seen, you see Noah, he stands out in his generation as one who is faithful. And in being told of things not yet seen, he ends up doing something that seems incredibly odd, to say the least, to the people around him. Noah hears God and he acts. God says, Noah, Noah, build a boat. Out here in the desert, build a boat. A big boat. A really big boat. It says he's warned of things not yet seen. It's almost kind of unforeseeable things but there's going to be a big flood here, you know, here in the desert. Here, this is going to be flooded. Everything's going to be flooded. It must have looked like crazy action from Noah, crazy activity. What's he doing? What would people have thought and said? We can only guess. But the writer of the Hebrews pulls it back to this. By faith, Noah in holy fear built an ark. What we're drawn to see is that Noah feared God. The writer draws our attention to the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. This is where faith comes, springs forth. We see Noah recognises who God is. And so therefore Noah fears God. Holy fear. This awe, reverence. This this sense he takes God completely seriously. He understands this is God who's talking to me. This is God who is speaking. Therefore, what God said, this is absolutely certain. Noah believes him. God is God. He can and he will do as he pleases. And he's absolutely perfect. He's mighty. He's powerful. He is awesome. He is true. And Noah understands this is fearful. Like the often used illustration from the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. When the children understand, I told Aslan's a lion. Well, is he safe? they told, no, of course not. Of course he's not safe. But he is good. So when Noah sees God, he's like, you're God. You're God. And so when Noah, God says, Noah, I'm going to send a flood, God has said it, it's coming. And what we see in Hebrews is Noah recognises that God is God. And so in holy fear responds, he, he believes God. You see, this is, we could read this and say, this is more than being scared of a flood coming. It's not, Noah, by faith Noah, when he heard about the things coming, was scared about the flood and so we thought well i better build a boat then no he, it, this is holy fear fear of the lord an understanding of who god is in holy fear he said yes god i believe you are right i know who you are so that's why i'm going to respond that's how oh, this isn't good my ear has obviously changed shape since this morning there we are. This is not just, oh, there's going to be a flood. Ah, oh, No. Fear of the Lord. We see through scripture this, this phrase coming again and again. The fear of the Lord. Kind of famously or, or kind of often quoted, Psalm 111 verse 10 and in various proverbs, we see this repeated phrase, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or knowledge. Both are put there. Fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom. Ah. But we can we can kind of balk at this. God is to be feared. No, 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 not fear, faith. But as we look at this, faith is here. Faith is here. That's what he's talking about. When he's saying in holy fear, he talks, he he responded. It's describing Noah's faith. And we see as we come into the New Testament, Paul describes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He's talking to the believers there in Corinth. And he says this to them. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 11. He says this, since then, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Since we know what it is. Since we know, we who believe, we know what it is to fear the Lord. It's what he's describing. And therefore we try to persuade others. What Paul's talking about is that there's nothing casual or flippant about knowing God. There's nothing casual or flippant about believing who he is. There's nothing casual or flippant about being saved by grace. Let's pause here. Have a look when we and have a think about this. When we see who God is, what God that God is, God. Like when the children are taught, Aslan is a lion. Oh, well, I know what a lion is. Well, God is God. When we see God is holy, awesome, mighty, the one who created everything, the one who is above all things, the one who is all-powerful, the one who is in control. And then when we understand our utter sinfulness, our desperate state, as we read Romans 3 and we see that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When we understand that the wages of sin is death, and that we are by nature objects of wrath. And we see this contrast and we see God is perfect and awesome and holy and we are sinful people. Well, now that is a fearful position. Certainly. That's, that's a place of utter terror. As the writer to the Hebrews at the, towards the end of chapter 10 in verse 31 said, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God's. But we understand it doesn't end there. It doesn't stop there with this, oh, the wages of sin is death and God is perfect. And I'm, I'm worthless. Now then we see, then as we see that, as we sometimes sing in the old hymn, God, his son not sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take it in. That Jesus, the very son of God, God, the radiance of the father, the one who is God became flesh the word became flesh and dwelt among us and went to the cross that Jesus God himself hung on the cross in our place to pay the price to pay these wages of sin that are paid on the cross as we understand that because of that in him we are justified by grace through faith That he therefore pours his grace out on us. On us undeserving sinners. That we may be justified, forgiven, adopted into God's family. Well, now before we were in an utterly terrifying position. But this, this is awesome. And may I say, this, this still is fearful. That God the Son... God, who is perfect, is inviting us into his presence that we may boldly come before him because he sent his son to die. God the son died in our place so that now we can be made clean and come into the presence of the perfect God. This is awe-inspiring. It's it's overwhelming. It's utterly awesome. We're not now cowering in fear and terror of, I'm, I'm dirty, I can't come in. No, no, we've been made clean by his blood. He's made us a way for us to come in. The God of the universe came and died on a cross. There's nothing casual or matter-of-fact about that. If I may draw a parallel To Mark chapter 4, the disciples are in the boat. The disciples are in the boat with Jesus. Uh, Mark 4, 35, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. They get in the boat, Jesus falls asleep in the back of the boat and the storm comes up. The storm is raging and the disciples are terrified. They're terrified, the storm, the storm's going to kill us. We we can't do anything about it, what can we do? They wake Jesus up. In verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Then Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. Then he challenges his disciples. He says, "Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith?" They're in a place of utter terror. And then Jesus gets up and says, "Quiet," and it stops. What's the disciples' reaction? Oh, cheers, Jesus. That's great. That's fab. We don't. Need... No. Who is this man? They're terrified. Because they've understood something, suddenly. The storm was terrifying, but suddenly they realise that the one who is in the boat with them is in a sense more dangerous than the storm. He's bigger than the storm. This, this one here is more powerful than the wind and the waves. The wind and the waves obey him. As we come before Jesus... I understand, we're coming before the King of Kings. It's awesome. I had the pleasure of being at a, um, a conference, looking back to 500 years to the Reformation. The last uh, two days, and Mike Greaves, who wrote the book *The Good God*, did a session talking about the joy that was rediscovered. Uh, one of the things that was kind of associated with. Uh, the the things that came out of the Reformation, the joy in God. And he said this wonderful thing, as we come before the cross, as we come and we understand and we see Jesus on the cross, Jesus, the King of kings, dying in my place, as we kneel there, we experience a precious and fearful joy. We understand, look at who he is. This is awesome. Awesome. There is a right fear of the Lord as we come in faith. As we believe him, we understand who he is. We're not terrified. Now we can boldly approach him can come in. But wow, that is awe-inspiring. That is overwhelming that we can boldly come. Wow. You see, fear of God reveals and is revealed in that it is him in who we have faith. That's where our faith lies. And as we see in this verse, Noah in holy fear built an ark by faith. Presumably it was years of building. It was such a big boat, such a big project as those around him continued their day-to-day lives. Oblivious or in denial of what was to come as Jesus draws Again, the parallel of what will happen when the Son of Man comes. He says, he, he refers back to the time of Noah and says in Matthew 24, verse 37. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. People just carrying on, oblivious to what's going on. In denial. Who knows what they said to Noah? But Noah in holy fear by faith is effectively saying, it's God I'm pleasing. I fear the Lord, not man. In him I believe. And so by faith he built an ark. You see, the fear of the Lord, this coming in faith before him conquers fear of man. I fear the Lord, not man. I trust him, I believe in him. So we can say with Paul in Romans eight thirty one: if God is for us, who can be against us? Because I understand who he is. And I'm in awe, in reverent fear. So he goes on to say, he built an ark to save his family. By faith, Noah, when told of the things that were to come, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And we see this glorious picture of salvation. Noah and his family saved by faith. But even as we stare at it, even if we think about it, we can just think and we can read 1 Peter 3, verse 20. We can get so caught up in our idea of what success looks like or of what... What things should be like. 1 Peter 3 and verse 20, we see him talking about Noah. In the days of Noah, while the ark was being built, in the ark, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And even in looking at it, we can say, look at this wonderful picture of salvation. We said, eight people. Eight people even here in this glorious salvation picture we can, think, we can get so caught up in what we would see as success we could think of Noah thinking man, it's not much what did I achieve? eight people saved they all ignored it, they all, they all said no actually like Noah we need to come and see this is God's plan and purpose being worked out Noah by faith built the ark and he saved his family God's, God's plan was being worked out. God's plan is being worked out. As we, as we follow him, as we trust him, we see, God, this is what you're doing. This is your plan. This is your purpose. I'm going to follow. I'm going to do what you ask. I'm going to do what you're saying. And you're in control. By faith, Noah saved his family and condemned the world. And be- condemned the world and became heir of righteousness. You see, only eight people were saved on the ark. But we see Noah's faith speaks, like Abel's blood cries out from the ground. Noah, who believed God in the midst of this corrupt generation. in so doing that, in believing God, in following him, in walking with him, is proclaiming the glory of God that they ignored. We see Noah shining out. Therefore, by his faith, they are condemned. But how does the writer close this? He's shown us, look, Noah in holy fear built the ark. And by faith, he became heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. The writer of the Hebrews draws us again look, this is what it's all about righteousness that comes by faith. It was true for Noah, it's true for us. We'll see it more with Abraham as we look through this chapter. And as Paul describes of Abraham, you can look at it in Romans for as he refers back and says, Look, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. But also we see here with Noah. He became heir of the righteousness that is by faith. You see, Noah saw from a distance. That's what Hebrews goes on to say in 11 verse 13. All these people, Noah included, were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And at the end, in verse 39 and 40, he says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So you know us all from a distance. He's just, he just, he just believing God. Believing God. He can't see everything that God's got planned. Yet by faith... He became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. And yet, now, what do we see now? We see Jesus. We see God's plan of salvation come. We see his plan of making us righteous by faith, by his grace. Not not by works, not by that anyone could boast, not by anything that we could do. It will stay on my ear. Not by anything that we could do. It's his grace, justified by his grace through faith. It's righteousness that is in keeping with faith. I don't deserve it. I have not earned it. It's your grace on me. Now my heart is free. As Paul says again in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, he's starting really his letter to the Romans sending out the wonderful truth. It says in Romans 1 verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. Let me see the writer to the Hebrews is drawing out. Look, this was true for Noah as well. It's by faith. Not, well, Noah was commended because he did the right thing and built an ark. No, Noah by faith became an heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, he built the ark. In seeing the ark, we see Noah's faith. Absolutely true. But it's by faith, by faith, always by faith. And this is the gospel truth. We see even here in Hebrews 11, verse 7, that we are saved by grace through faith. We're called to believe him, like Noah did, in holy fear. Understanding this is God. I get to come before the presence of almighty God. Because, as we sing sometimes in that wonderful, uh, wonderful song, Before the Throne of God Above. That second verse, I'm going to close by reading that. Verse 2 of Before the Throne of God Above. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Saviour died... My sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. And as verse 3 begins, behold him there, the risen lamb. My perfect spotless righteousness. Let us come kneel at the cross. Come to him, our righteousness, our glorious saviour, believe him like Noah in holy fear and know this precious and fearful joy that is in Christ, that is in Christ, the one who has done it all. Amen.